Justin Geverlo, Managing Director of the North Dakota Watchdog Network. First of all, before we get into uh, some of the meteor topics, describe what your organization does. What is the uh, Watchdog Network? Well, we uh, simply uh, keep an eye on government. We are a a 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, we are 100% funded by North Dakota donors. And those donors want to have a voice and a a representation in the legislature and at local government hearings um, when issues regarding taxpayer issues, property rights issues, or just overall uh, general government oversight uh, is not quite what it should be. And what it's, what's the latest one? You've, you've got a newsletter you send out. What's the latest one that you've got, uh, I guess, showcasing? Well, our last one was regarding the uh, fight over the Ethics Commission, which was passed by the voters uh, via Measure 1 in November of 2018. Oh, good. And, that's uh, one I wanted to talk to you about. So let's let's just rewind for a second. And if that's one that you guys are kind of highlighting, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Dustin on was to talk about Measure 1. Um, so in a minute, I'll have Dustin describe what it is. But what caught my attention was... Um, Shortly after the election, in some press releases and newsletters and that sort of stuff, they would actually put in there that you know soft drinks had to be purchased by the representatives and, and just things like that. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, these professional organizations are kind of taking little digs at this measure one. So um, I wanted to reach out to you to find out what the heck it was uh, that – is, is still going on. It's I mean, it's done. The, the vote's over, and it's still completely heated to the tune to where aren't they trying to reverse it or try some workarounds and that sort of thing? Anyway, so that, that's about what I know, and so I wanted to just bring Dustin on to talk a little bit about Measure 1. So sorry to interrupt you there, but I'm, I'm glad you guys are showcasing this right now because uh, that is kind of the, the meat of why I wanted to bring you on. So first of all, d- describe uh, what Measure 1 is to you. Well, Measure 1 was a effort by uh, some, uh, we should call them progressive-leaning folks that uh, think that, the, uh, that, that there's too much corruption in government. And by corruption, they are referring to things like the oil industry, uh, giving campaign donations to legislators, and buying meals and trips for legislators uh, that they just don't think are appropriate. And uh, Measure 1 on the November 2018 ballot uh, basically put a, a, um, a new men- amendment, which is now the 14th Amendment in the North Dakota State Constitution, that would create an ethics commission and would restrict the ability for private entities to influence lawmakers without disclosure and transparency and would prohibit certain activities by those folks that are generally lobbyists. And uh, we actually opposed the measure when it was on the ballot in November of last year on the basis that uh, these efforts uh, target what are called dark money organizations. Those are groups that uh, are regulated by the IRS and can take tax-deductible donations like the North Dakota Watchdog Network. And it's our view that these organizations are well-equipped to allow 
concerned citizens and taxpayers to donate money to causes to influence local and state government where they feel that there is uh, overreach. And our opposition to the measure to begin with was based on the fact that if you force us to disclose the names of our donors, it makes it very difficult for us to hold elected officials accountable because a lot of times uh, people are not willing to donate money to go after elected officials because they have to bring their own personal business and corporate business to those elected officials to get permits and permissions and and get laws changed. And so by, by restricting the ability for organizations like ours to uh, generate revenue to to uh, influence good government uh, decisions, uh, you're actually uh, having a chilling effect on, on people's First Amendment rights. So that was our basis. Now, there was the, the organized opposition against it was making these claims that the average everyday citizen that goes to the legislature is going to have to file a report saying how much gas they burned going to the Capitol. That was nonsense. This is one of those issues where both sides were really uh, making things up as they went. And so we opposed the measure, but not for the same reasons that the vast majority of the opposition opposed them. It passed anyway with a a vote of, I believe, 53 percent of the people. And it became part of our state constitution. But it left things wide open for the legislature to enact as far as actually establishing how the commission would be appointed it, it, it's to be a member of five people appointed by a, a the governor and the majority leader in the senate and the majority or minority leader in the senate and uh the a lot of it is just wide open so the democrats uh senator tim mathern has led the charge on implementing the measure as the supporters of Measure 1 CFET. Conversely, uh, Republicans have offered up their own alternative approaches that would fill in the blanks and uh, address a lot of the issues. Obviously, the supporters of Measure 1 are not happy with the Republican version, and Republicans are not ver- happy with the the Democrat version. So it, we've gotten into this, this quagmire where both sides are fighting. Both sides have some legitimate claims uh, and some not so legitimate claims. And so the Watchdog Network has has tried to interject itself as kind of an arbiter of uh, how things should proceed based on the fact that we are an organization that is being targeted by this effort, but we also agree that there are issues that we do need an ethics commission to deal with. We do have wide open campaign finance issues where there's not a lot of Rules and not a lot of transparency uh, that can be filled in, and so we support the intent of the the measures backers and the intent of the voters, Uh, but we don't necessarily agree with either side on the specifics, and so we're hoping to help uh, uh, moderate in in a little way. how to get to a common sense middle ground that everybody can be happy with and and will elevate the ethical standards of of all government. Let me ask you a few questions. Uh, Dustin Goverlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network, we're talking about Measure 1 that happened in their last election, which is now law, part of their constitution, 
and it involves an ethics commission and some transparency. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that, okay, so I, I want to back up and just kind of kind of bullet point a few things here. So previous to this, this law, um, you know, a, somebody from Monsanto could go and take a, 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 a met, met legislator out for a trip, take, take them to Hawaii and things like that. They could just take them on trips and, and kind of do that sort of old school wine and dine them type of a thing. And the lawmaker didn't have to disclose any of that? Is that is that correct? The lawmaker, as far as I know, did not have to disclose. The lobbyist would have to. Okay, the lobbyist yes. would have to. If they're yes. If they're a registered lobbyist, what if they're not a registered lobbyist? Well, that that's part of the issue. Okay, is, so well, is, they, uh, what my my point is is okay. My my point is you know like the yeah. CEO of uh, whoever Monsanto or whatever mm-hmm. uh, Harold Ham whatever. Yeah. They're not registered as lobbyists, okay? And right. by if they invited somebody out to dinner or did something like that, they're they're not a lobbyist, but they're probably talking about that company's specific motivation and interest and 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 that sort of thing. So I it hap- that it happens a lot more than I think people think. And so in North Dakota, those lawmakers would not have to you know, disclose any of that. And that's, that, that's my belief. Is that right? Under current law. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, I'm trying to understand it a little bit. Cause like I said, I, I, I read a few press releases where they even indicated that lawmakers had to now buy their own so- soft drinks, that soft drinks were not served at a meeting. And so I thought, okay, this is, somebody's really digging it in to make sure that the point is being known. So that would fall under that same thing where, Corey Mock, who is a representative out of Grand Forks, I heard him on some program mention that there's there's an event for a lawmaker to go to every night, and he said it yes. he said it like it was a good thing, and I looked at it like wow, there's that much lobbying events happening to where the lawmakers are so busy going to lobbyist events and getting the the tabs picked up by either the lobbyist, or now they're trying to pass some laws in North Dakota so the taxpayers pick up the tab. Um, when do the taxpayers get time with these people? Well, that's the issue. And and there was a legislator that at one time... Or, or, or is, that, is that the new normal? Are you the new normal that taxpayers just have to go to you and you are now the lobbyist? for? Do, do you know what I mean? Do, do you have to be a lobbyist to talk to lawmakers? That's that's the actual direct question, you, I guess. So sorry. You do not. <laughs> okay. You, you do not have... Not yet. You do not... <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. You, you do not have to be a lobbyist to talk to lawmakers. Uh, however, you know, most people are busy raising families, working jobs, building businesses, and they don't have a lot of time. So, so that is our target demographic is the people that can financially support having a, a representative in the legislature because they don't have the time to do it themselves. Um, and, and a lot of our, our donors obviously are part of other organizations that, well, that and, fulfill and, their... And keep in mind, I'm not necessarily even talking about your donors. I'm talking about just in general that, um, like Corey Mock said, it seems like there's something going on every night from a different lobbyist group and if he made it seem like, you know, they're so busy doing that stuff, and then keep in mind, a lot of these guys have jobs on top of this. Um, 
dude, is, is, are, are you the last, you know, are, are you the new normal that, you know, grassroots organizations, is that the only, is that the new way to access politicians is my question, I guess, is that do they have to go through lobbyist groups or I know they can just pick up the phone and call and I know they can just email them, but there's been so many reporters and so many studies done that the majority of them don't respond back to the average person. They just don't. And this just kind of seemed like it kind of, it kind of smoked it out a little bit. I don't know. I'm um, to talk to me about what, what the, your observation is with the representatives um, and the people, are they talking to the average person anymore? Is it primarily just the lobbyist groups like, you know, the measure one kind of makes it seem like. Well, the, as far as average people, there's usually not a lot of average people that come down to the session. Uh, it's usually when we, uh, see big, big ticket items or, uh, you know, gun bills or property rights bills. Those are those are what draw the regular folks in the capital. Uh, as far as the, the the dinners and the the receptions, usually they're called receptions for lawmakers. Every night there is at least one, if not multiple, groups. You know, be it uh, private industry, trade organizations, or you know the association of counties, or or public interest groups, um, where you know they'll have meat and cheese platters. And, you know, you listen to them uh, give their spiel about what bills are good and what bills are bad and, and how lawmakers should support them at every turn. I mean, that, that's that's been the norm forever. And, and frankly, uh, you know, there's something called the social calendar that gets put on the legislators desks, actually, where the the, the official legislative management system uh, lets them know where these events are so it, it's it's been promoted over the years that legislators go to these things because it's a networking situation that's sad and that's and sad. and, and yeah, so sorry. yeah the, the the issue is no, it's, just, it's just sad that that, that you got to be a company to get their attention because I, I i i didn't see any you know boy scout meetings or anything like that that they were attending to to kind of find out what you know what what do what do den mothers want to know which bills are important right now why do you have to be a company or throw a wine and cheese cotillion in order that's what i mean by it's kind of sad because that that's been my observation too that that has increased dramatically over the 10 over the last 10 years in north dakota to where now it's just it's it's quid pro quo it's to the tune to where they what, what was that bill they were trying to pass where they want them to have some more lunch money um uh, bigger per diem to pay to kind of yeah. to kind of offset yeah. this right well, actually, that is to offset the fact that a lot of them lost their write-offs on the, the federal tax reform bill last last year that goes into effect this year. Okay. Previously, they, they were able to write off their expenses in the federal taxes, uh, you know, if they itemized. And so now this is actually an offset because they don't want to pay higher taxes to the federal government. Wow. That's, um, yeah, that's that's... Go back to the sad part for a minute where there's so many um, functions by lobbyists and organizations that uh, their, their their staff is even, you know, picking and choosing which ones they should attend that make a social calendar. So that that's kind of interesting in itself that they could even do that. Um, that's how partisan it really is getting, isn't it? That, I mean, you can't, 
You can't even hire an executive director without somebody thinking that you've got a political motivation behind. Like I say, you're the Girl Scouts, and all of a sudden, you know, you're not on the social calendar because you donated to a party 20 years ago or something like that. That's that's. I mean, it's it's to that level of paranoia and reality, actually, isn't it? To where they have social calendars. I'm sorry, man. I just it's kind of sad to me. It's kind of I'm I'm processing some of this as we talk. So, um, anyway. Uh, talk to me about that a little bit, though, about how they are down to the sodas and, and some of the wine and cheese and that sort of thing. So that must be problematic for some of these organizations then. Um, that must have been a draw to, to you know, kind of pay, have their dinners and, and, and drinks and that sort of thing. Will the state representatives go to these without that? Uh, well, that's a question. And, and, with you know, that's it's not law yet. I mean, so so that's what they're hashing over is what those regulations will be, what powers the ethics commission will have. Uh, you know, currently the rules state that uh, if you are a lobbyist and you spend more than sixty dollars on any one legislator, um, that you in, in the entire session that you have to report that. Well, what they do is they pool their money and they say, okay, if we have sixty legislators come to this event and we spend six hundred dollars on on food and booze for those legislators, uh, then that's only $10 per legislator and we don't have to report that. So that, that's how these organizations function. And, and getting back to your issue of access, it, it's all, it all depends on how much they can afford. You know, so if you can afford to put together a lunch or a dinner or something uh, and get their attention, uh, then, then you can do that. And, you know, it's up to each individual legislator to decide how much attention they give the, the folks that are paying versus the folks that can't pay. Uh, one Republican legislator had the concept of uh, that nobody should be able to buy them more than a Big Mac, you know, because a regular person can take your legislator and, you know, buy his Big Mac meal and have a 20 minute conversation. You know, that's a level. Anything more than that is is excessive. So right. are, are, are people tiptoeing around things or is anybody trying to, you know, get straight to the heart of the matter when it comes to these things? Because it sounds like a couple extremes. Well, the, 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 the folks behind Measure 1 are trying to regulate all of this and most of the legislators are trying to fight against it. And because they don't want to be subject to, to new reporting standards and they don't want to be subject to, to not being able to go out on these uh, these dinners and to these uh, receptions, so uh, yeah, they're tiptoeing around it because they they know that the people that are pushing Measure One have have a legitimate issue on a lot of this stuff. They just don't want to admit it. Yeah, and that's and that's where I think what we talked about in the beginning, or at least you alluded to that, even though you were against Measure One in the beginning you still are quick to point out that there was some good stuff in there that needed to be addressed. And that's probably why it passed. Um, yes. You know, and, and all, I, you know, my, my question I had earlier about, you know, getting to the heart of some of this stuff. Um, and I, I get it to where it's, you know, people are upset because they feel like a lot of the companies are buying the politicians. You know, you buy them with a cheese tray and they come. And mm-hmm. you, if, if you don't have a tre- cheese tray, apparently they don't come. That's that's weird. Uh, but 
I, I know that that's kind of facetious and kind of ridiculous, but at the same time, there's a hint of truth behind that, and that's, that's why we're talking about this. What I'm curious about is in Bismarck primarily, in almost any state that, that has a convention center does this, they'll, you know, some organization will have a convention, and then they'll bring a keynote speaker. And then lo and behold, that keynote speaker will now um, make an appearance at a political party's fundraiser or a political party's wine and cheese cotillion where you got to pay 20 bucks to get in. Is, is Measure One doing anything that's going to kind of, I guess, slow that down or expose that or get to the bottom of why that continues to happen? Because to me, that seems like that's, that's kind of dirty pool. Do you know what I mean? You're using other people's money to bring in somebody and then you turn around and let your party use it. And then the party all of a sudden charges to get people to access to, it just seems like somewhere along the line, somebody should have said, "Whoa, this seems like we're double, triple dipping on some things here. Am I, am I, am, did, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, that goes all the way up to the, to I mean, the I, I didn't break any big news here. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty standard out there in Bismarck, Dustin. So I'm sorry to kind of bring that up, but go on. Sorry. It's standard everywhere. I mean, when when Trump comes in to to do an event at the to speak at the um, Petroleum Council, uh, and you know, he, as long as he does one public event in his official capacity, he's allowed to use the Air Force One and come in and do all that, and then schedule whatever else he wants to do in in the city, as long as it's not an added cost, because travel is already a built-in cost so all of that that issue goes all the way top it's always been an issue uh the 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 keynote side of things um yeah i mean that's that's part of why these organizations bring in these keynote speakers is so that you know they can they can have a large-scale event and then they can have the private private donor event to you know try to grab twenty-five thousand dollar checks from everybody Mm mm-hmm yeah, that, that that's just how that's just how organizations have always worked. And that is no, I know, not but I know, but egregious but, as the the issue of directly influencing elected official. But I think they go hand in hand. I mean, by get you know copying these elected officials or you know giving them a rub with some of these national speakers, that's there's a monetary value there. Well, th- oh, yeah. didn't didn't um, what's his name from? Chicago tried to sell Obama's seat, and that that proved that there's a monetary value to a political appointment or a political seat. Mm-hmm. To where that guy was so far removed from reality, he actually tried to capitalize on it. I mean, that you can't you can't even make that up. Um, so yeah, and I mean, it's it, it's it's to the point to where I mean, now that I just said it, I kind of feel like I'm going to be labeled as a crazy person because it's so standard now. You know, to to where when I was growing up, I was taught that that was kind of illegal. <laughs> you know, you you can, you can get in trouble for that, but now it's just so standard that that's what this measure one to me seems like. That um, one extreme tried to overcorrect, and now the other side is trying to overcorrect back with another extreme. When what you said is exactly right. No, somewhere in the middle. There, there needs to be a compromise, and everybody will be happy, which means 99% of the people, not 1%. Exactly. And, and you can, a lot of this goes back, you can look at McCain-Feingold campaign finance reform is when a lot of this really started. And then 
you know, people thought that that went too far to the left. Then what happened was Citizens United. Then it, that went way too far to the right as far as declaring that corporations are people, declaring that, uh, you know, unlimited money can go in, you know, all those sort of things. Now these ethics commission concepts are trying to pull things way back to the left and Republicans are trying to pull it back to the right. So, I mean, it, it's this, the pendulum is swinging wildly on these issues as much as they are with the, the national political conversation of, you know, going from Bush to Obama to Trump, you know, just back and forth wildly, uh, you know, from, from one side of the spectrum to the other. So at the end of the day, this is going to have a pretty big impact on North Dakota, isn't it? Eventually, yeah. Once, once they get things sorted out and, and get in ethics commission in place um it will have a significant impact because uh people will have to alter their their behaviors but hopefully not so much that it it hinders the ability for regular people to get involved yeah well that's that's what i hope happens in the end is that the regular people are going to get more involved and um some of these things will get kind of ironed out a little bit you know i heard you earlier take a uh use the example of the oil and gas uh, industry as as an example for a few things. Of course, you know, a lot of our programming uh, is oil and gas themed and oil and gas centric. Um, they were they, they were pretty active in the last election, weren't they, in North Dakota? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you've been have you been following this mural pepcorn um, increase the extraction tax? Yes. Or the production Democrats tax or whatever. Been, Democrats have been trying to move that that uh, oil tax back up to the 11 percent that it used to be at for a long time. Well, let me ask you this as somebody who's followed government for a long time, because I don't want to get into the necessarily the politics of the oil and gas industry, because I'm a big fan of what they do. And and um, and I, I understand I understand why they get so active in elections and they stay, you know, for the most part, I believe they stay within the law of what, you know, North Dakota law allows um, because of this to where. 50% of the state revenue comes from two oil taxes. I mean, that's incredible that North Dakota has gotten their revenues to that point to where they basically rely on those two taxes. Did you see that report that came out by um, the Petroleum Council and Jade Stone Consulting? I, I did, and it's not just the two oil taxes. It, it's oil's impact on the sales tax and income tax and all other taxes combined, as well as the inflationary impact uh, of of the oil money coming into the state and that having an upward push on property values as well and that that pushes up property taxes so I mean it, it's indirect and direct it's not yeah. you know it's not all just the oil taxes and and uh, so but you know it, it is a significant issue and and there has been a lot of animosity on it since since that was pushed. And, um, you know, the, the funny thing is I, uh, with the Democrats, I've, I've advised them, hey, if you want to uh, increase that oil tax back, at least, you know, abolish the income tax, both, both for personal and corporate. And the, the funny thing about that concept is that oil companies would probably end up paying less tax under that plan. Uh, but and that's why the Democrats won't do it. And and Republicans don't want to do it because they don't want to be viewed as as uh, increasing taxes on the oil industry. And so even though the, the dollars wash out, actually the state would be ahead by about $150 million on that deal. But well, um, what, what I, know, it, Go ahead, sorry. 
So it, it's been it's been discussed. Uh, it's going nowhere. None, it is. None, none of these plans are, are to increase oil tax are going anywhere. Like I said, I mean, the only time that there would be such a possibility is if you're talking about you know wiping out the income tax at the same time then maybe you'd have a discussion but i don't think either side wants to propose that even though it would their opposition on a hot seat my issue with it is that um why are you trying to get more money from one industry you need to diversify yourself before you start trying to get more money out of an industry that um already you know during that last downturn was down to six six seven rigs something like that and Trying to play chicken with the oil and gas industry is not a good idea because they just go by numbers. That's that's really at the end of the day, that's all they care about is if the you know they got shareholders they got to adhere to. So it's it's not they can't get caught up in the political stuff as much. They can pay people to get caught up in the political stuff, but they can't necessarily. Right. Um, no, I just I thought that was kind of a a different bill, and I had Merrill on my program to talk, and I said that I you know kind of low hanging fruit here, Merrill, um, that sort of thing. Uh, cause I, to me, I, I, I wouldn't normally talk about it, but to actually have a state that dependent on the, on one industry was remarkable to me to, to really see that, um, measure one. Now, what do you want people to know about this circling back to measure one? Um, your sounds like you could be impacted by it. So, um, what do you want people to know for, from your organization standpoint, the North Dakota watchdog network? Well, our message is that. We believe the legislature should respect the will of the people on the vote. Uh, the, the measure was sold to the public as an anti-corruption, pro-ethics uh, concept. And, and regardless of whether they understood the details of it, they did know that. They knew that it was an anti-corruption thing. And in exactly the same way that, that Trump got elected on draining the swamp, that's how Measure 1 passed. So... Regardless of whether the, the supporters of Measure 1 had their own ulterior motives, uh, the legislature should create an entity and, and a set of rules that uh, follow that will of the people without uh, interfering with the, the rights of the people to influence their own government. So what's next for you guys, Watchdog Network? Um, you got any other, in, any other uh, issues you're tackling besides this uh, Measure 1? Well, the, the big fight has been regarding the initiative measure process itself. We've seen several bills that would try to hinder or curtail the public's ability to pass initiative measures because legislators simply do not like their own voters to set the framework by which they govern by. And so they're constantly trying to make it more difficult to do initiative measures because there are a few bad ones here and there that get through. Uh, but rather than trying to you know, educate the public on what the bad measures are, they just want to make it tougher to do measures in the first place. And so we're fighting all of those efforts to make it more difficult for the public to, to pass laws through the initiative measure process, because luckily in North Dakota, we have Article 3 of our state constitution that reserves powers to the people to set laws and constitutional amendments uh, to govern the way that our legislature operates. So they would pass a law that says that if you wanted to put an initiated measure on the ballot, you would have to check with the state first? They, they have 
several that would that would give the legis- legislature a veto over the, the vote of the people. They have one that would cause um, the threshold necessary to pass a constitutional measure to go from simple majority to 60% majority, uh, which would mean basically nothing would get passed. Uh, they have efforts that would... Um, uh, restrict the kinds of the topics of measures that make it to the ballot. It, it runs the gamut, and these these have popped up every single session. Uh, this this last this session, a lot of them are are inspired by Measure One and the Ethics Measure, and and then Marcy's Law. Those are the two recent uh, initiated measures that really have angered legislators. Well, the and, cannabis one, medicinal cannabis too, and 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 in. Recreational marijuana was also one that was a statutory measure that they've monkeyed with. And the, and the irony behind that, though, is that the recreational measure was actually well written compared to the medicinal marijuana one. Correct. And the medicinal marijuana one was a train wreck. It was just copy and pasted from five different states, and he, in which they openly admitted because the state legislature wouldn't give them the time of day for ten years. Right. And. That oh, it's 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 that's so funny. So you try to bring something up to the state, and they won't hear it. You go do initiated measure, and now you got to check with the state. Yes. Wow. Right. And and Republicans like to say, well, we've got a, <laughs> we're not a democracy. We are a representative republic. Yes, that's true. But representative republic is the type of government you have, not how you get to it. Democracy is how you get to it, how you elect your people. So this constant arguing between uh, between lawmakers and, and citizens about, well, we're not a democracy. Well, democracy is not a type of government. It's a process to, to uh, fulfill your government. So it, you know, it goes down to basic understanding of, of uh, comparative politics and, and constitutional law, but at the end of the day, many of the uh, attempts by legislature are designed to, again, limit the average person's ability to influence the laws of their own state, which gets back to our previous discussion. You know, in in, in general, legislators as individuals and as a body do not like the very people that vote them in to power to have any power over them. Well said. Well said. And they do have the power of the people, and that uh, medicinal marijuana cannabis law showed that, that mm-hmm. 65% of the people voted yes, and I believe every single county voted 65% yes, which is like a super majority. Yes. And yet still less than 1% of the people in the state overturned it. They rewrote it. Right. So yep. they already have that power. That's the part that, that just baffles me is they already have that power. And I still laugh because <clears throat> anybody in North Dakota that calls themselves a Republican really needs to take a look at themselves because at a federal level, we get back, the state gets back $1.80 for every buck they put in. And they, they, they distribute more taxes around that state than most other Republican states do. So um, by... Just because you go to church on Sunday doesn't mean you're a Republican. There's there's a lot of other values that, you know, go with that. So I, I just kind of chuckle at that all the time because the Republican 
except, you know, for when they give this taxes and do these tax breaks and want to implement this tax and force this law. And you know what I mean? When most Republicans, I was always taught, government, stay out of my checkbook and stay out of my personal life and we'll all be good. I guess that's the old Goldwater conservative they call that, huh? Yes, it is. Yeah. Modern, modern Republicans are are all about control. <laughs> little, little bit more McCarthyism, huh? <laughs> little, yes. little bit more of that type of thing. Okay. Yes. Well, all right, man. How can people donate and give you some good money to fight the fight and all that good stuff? So uh, give yourself a plug. They can go on our website at watchingnd.com, and there's a link right in the front to sign up for a newsletter or, or send us a donation. 